0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a football Friday. Wow, we got two local teams playing this weekend. This is crazy. You know, there are a certain number of you, and I know because I got this after the show yesterday, who are upset that we're talking so much BYU football. They're 5-0, but they haven't played anybody. Well, you know, and that may well be. We'll have to see how Houston and Navy season shakes out. I think Navy's going to be okay I think Houston might be better than okay. They might be good. But here's the key thing let's talk about all the games that have been played since the Jazz were eliminated in the bubble. And you can go back and look it up, but I think that was the first week of September. Now, the Aggies are going to play Saturday. So we had the, uh, we're having you know, later this hour, you're actually going to hear from the B Rider who covers the Aggie opponent. But like, nothing else has happened. There are no other games to talk about. We've milked the NBA playoffs and the NFL. We are airing every conversation we can get our hands on from the Utes every day. Well, that's not quite true. Not every conversation because there are days they provided five guys and we have not aired four or five players in a row. But we're doing the Utes three times a week and they're not even playing games. What else is there to talk about? Let us know. If you got anything, we're open. Seriously. I can't wait for November 7th. Think about that. There will be three football games involving local teams. I'm excited there's going to be two this week. All right, let's get to it. Mason Wake playing for the Y. I know, there we go. More BYU radio again. But, you know, literally no Aggies are used have to scored touchdowns yet because they haven't played a game. Mason Wake, that was a cool play. He scored on not his first touchdown this year either. Uh, here's Mason Wake with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Seeing you go out there hurdling defenders, it almost feels like you're going out for the track team and this is your audition. Um, can you just talk about that mindset do you have when, when you're, you know, approaching these defenders? I mean, is 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 it just something that's innate that leads you to try and hurdle them? Or, I mean, is this something that's developed in your game over time?
1: Um, So, growing up, I was kind of like sort of a bigger kid. So, a lot of the, um, the second-level guys, they go on my ankles. So, they just dive down and I'd go try to run them over and I usually just tackle myself. That's what ends up happening. So, I mean, over time, I've just learned to hurdle and um, – I uh, just just like just add another thing to my game. And so so a lot of people just think I can just run over people. But I mean, I just I just keep adding things to my game and hopefully I can add more. I wanted to ask about you recognizing your mom, saw the photo of that and
0: and having that on your shirt. What what did that mean to you? And, and just to be able to, to honor her like you did?
1: Um, I mean, everything I do is to um, is to make her more proud. And I know she's proud of me and um, I know my family, uh, they, they love seeing it. And I um, I mean, it just means the world to me. Like every time, I don't know if anyone notices, but like after every touchdown, I usually like pound my chest and point to the sky. That's for my mom. Um, and everything I do is for my family. Like when I ride it on my arm, uh, a lot of people didn't know about it. Um, I mean, everything I do is for her. I also wanted to ask on that fourth and short by the goal line when you got stuffed, we saw that you weren't very happy on the sideline,
0: really fired up. What was going through your mind? What were you saying? You know, what, what was kind of the the, the process there? Because you guys needed to get fired up at that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to bring any juice that I can and try to hype up the defense. Um, just, just I wish that the TV didn't show it when I was – uh saying a few things but um i would just say like i just tried to bring juice like anyway we just needed something we needed um we need something to happen that was a big play and unfortunately we got stopped but i just tried to bring juice and just keep our own heads up
2: so mason i was wondering if you could tell us a bit about uh, your mom and the impact that she's made on you in your life
1: uh yeah so just growing up uh uh, it was a pretty normal life. And then um, just when I was almost nine years old, she passed away from cancer. I think she had it for a couple of years. Um, so she's she's been out of my life for a while, but um, she's definitely like been in, inside with me for a while. Um, um, she's made me who I am today. Um, the trials that I've been through has um, made me stronger, and just everything I do is for her. And um, I know she's with me each and every day, and I um, like to live life that way.
2: What kind of reaction have you gotten since uh, Friday night uh, with people seeing that shirt and that tribute, just whether in person or on social media or whatever? What, what's that been like, the reaction you've gotten?
1: Um, the reaction has been awesome. Um, I didn't know, like I had no intentions of it blowing up, but it kind of blew up. Um, I would say like a lot of people didn't know my story and didn't know why I wrote mom on my arm, but it definitely got the message out there. I just asked Kalani. I was just, I texted him before the game. I said, is this okay to do, um, just to get the message out there and cause a lot of people didn't know why I put mom on my arm, but I just wanted to re- represent her. And, um, um, it was cool doing it.
0: Mason, when you were coming out of high school, you, you picked BYU as a preferred walk on, uh, What what made you choose BYU over some of the other schools that maybe showed interest in in you uh, coming out of high school?
1: Um, I would just say the recruiting process and um, Coach Clark, uh, Coach Stewart, who's now at um, Arizona, and of course Kalani. They just I don't know if it's legal, but they would text me like nonstop. Same with Coach Grimes; they would just text me a whole lot, um, uh, just keeping in touch with me and. I mean, they just they just told me that I have a chance to go out and play as a freshman and I trusted them and I took a chance on myself and starting to pan out. What does it say about uh, this coaching staff and in the program that those promises they
0: gave you as a walk on that they, gave, they they were upheld and that everyone in the program walk on scholarship player, you got the chance to, to play on the field regardless of your status?
1: Yeah, I mean, they just treat everyone um, the same, either walk on preferred walk-on scholarship they just I mean Kalani doesn't he told us um the other week that he doesn't tell anyone that who's put on scholarship after they've been a walk-on so because like they don't want to be viewed differently I just say I respect that so much um that means like because no one's treated differently um if you're if you're good enough to play you'll get on the field and play are you gonna get a scholarship soon I hope so gotta talk to Kalani I hope so though it would help. Mason, I wanted to ask you about the tight end group. I know you're officially a fullback slash tight end, but we see you in a lot of those tight end sets. When you guys lost Matt Bushman, we talked to the coaches and they said it was going to be a mixture of you, Isaac Rex, Carter Wheat, and Lane Lunt. They're going to have to fill in the role. How do you feel like you guys have done filling those shoes that Matt left? Um, I don't think anyone can fill the shoes of Matt Bushman. That dude's uh, – he's one of the greatest here. And, I mean, he's just such a good dude. And I'd say – I just say the thing that we did the most is just being ourselves. Like we don't need to go out and be a hero. We don't need to um, be a superstar. We just need to be us. And as long as we do that, we'll we'll be, we knew we'd be successful. But I mean, Matt Bushman will go down as one of the greats here. And we just need to be us. And then I also wanted to ask you in, in this offense, your role is so multifaceted that I think a lot of people are intrigued by how you're able to master all those different roles. How have you gone about doing that? Um, I mean, just getting here. I just, I mean, I told the coaches, I was like, I don't, I don't even want the ball. I just want to get on the field. I'll block. I, I just, I just want, I just want to get on the field. So, I mean, I think they took that to heart and they um, just using me like special teams, anything. I just, I didn't care what it was. I just want to get on the field and it's starting to show um, all the things I could do. But I mean, shout out to all the coaches. I, I like, like I said, I just, I just wanted to get on the field and show what I could do.
3: The other day, um, Dax kind of said that having fans in that Houston game helped fuel you guys to make that comeback late on the field. Did you feel that as well? And do you think that maybe having fans at home is going to sort of help do the same thing for you guys, give you that little extra edge?
1: I think definitely fans definitely play a huge part of how we play. Um, having a lot of those BYU fans, even Houston fans, like whenever we travel and we're away and uh, we have a ton of BYU fans, uh, even when there's like just, like the opponent's fans, that just fuels me inside. I don't know about the other players, but I mean, just that energy it creates and um, it definitely like brings your game to another level, but um, we've definitely, we've we've played good without fans, but I think it will help a lot playing with fans.
2: Mason, the way that you're being used in the offense is just another example of the number of weapons that the offense has at its disposal. How would you
1: describe this offense in general but then also just what this offense is capable of with so many guys that can make plays. Um, yeah, I'd say um, we're a wide zone team that uh, in the run game and then passing, we could just do pretty much whatever we want and having those weapons like Dax Gunner and all those other receivers and especially having Zach and his leadership. Um, I would just say uh, like we're just a very complex offense and we can like we, we run I don't, I don't remember what Grimes said, but he said, like, we run few plays a million different ways. And just having that, um, just being able to, like, read a defense and, and, like, just having to roll with it and make these play calls. And I just think, like, having all these, these leaders, I think the, the leaders definitely are a reason why the offense is, is going the way it's going and our coaching staff, but definitely the leaders having the big impact.
4: Nathan, you exploded onto the scene this season in the last few weeks. You know, your Twitter following has blown up. BYU fans are renaming their Twitter accounts to your name and stuff like that. Even getting attention from national people. PFT commenter I saw uh, tweeted about you. Just I'm wondering what have the last few weeks been like, you know, on social media, on campus, within the locker room, uh, just kind of bursting onto the scene here?
1: Oh, I mean, it's definitely cool, but like Coach Mateo says, like we don't want to drink the poison. It's really cool to be acknowledged on on social media and all that, but right now we're just focused on uh, what we have ahead, um, Texas State, and uh, it's definitely cool uh, um, getting that attention, but uh, we got to go week by week and don't drink the poison. Yeah, Mason, uh, everybody talks about kind of the new normal in the pandemic. Uh, and how the players
2: are reacting. Is that the pandemic still omnis- omniscient in your daily uh, routine, or is it almost a case where you guys kind of forgotten there's even a pandemic going on?
1: Um, I would say outside of football, uh, we definitely have to take precautions of what we do and what we sacrifice so that we can have this uh, – season keep going but I mean like as far as like football games and like practices I, I I mean it just feels normal and like um we adapted and it honestly feels pretty good like um we don't have a lot of those distractions at practice and none of that other stuff but I mean like out in the field when there's no fans there's no anything because of the pandemic I mean it's just football and that's just uh, what a lot of the guys like to do and um it's been really fun yeah Mason sorry my uh,
2: my internet's a little little in and out here um i feel kind of bad asking this question after that really good uh response on just big picture issues and whatever but i want to get super granular on kind of your your blocking because as a fullback you are sort of a uh kind of a block first running back i guess for lack of a better term is that something that you take pride in it's just you you know you've been getting all all of these social media hits for hurtling guys and running the ball. But do you take pride in just being able to like lay out the perfect block and kind of set guys up and protect Zach in the pocket and that kind of thing too?
1: Yeah, I'd say definitely. Um, that's why I'm here is, um, um, just to hit people hard and just, just block. Um, and all the other stuff falls into place. But like as far as blocking and catching the ball, I get way more joy out of blocking and pancaking someone than, and blocking from one of my dudes than uh, catching a ball. But I'd say like just whatever I do, I'm just trying to bring energy to the team and just, um, yeah, just bring energy. There's BYU's Mason
0: Wake. When we come back, the former Cougar, Brian Keel, to tell you why he's proud of the Cougars and not... For the reason you think he is, it's not about the five and zero. Oh. It's not about the ranking. It's one thing that they did that he thinks is really hard to do in the middle of a football game, and they did it. He'll tell you about it next. Stay with us.
4: Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: BJPK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. It is time to welcome in Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. He joins us here on 97.5 at 1280 Zone every week. Brian, good morning.
3: Hey, good morning.
0: So, there are multiple storylines looking forward and looking backward, but first, one last look at that Houston game. How surprised were you? that BYU, when everything started going wrong, was able to grab that game by the neck and turn it around with the game on the line and score 29 unanswered. In your experience, how hard is that to do when everything's going wrong, to shift it around and make everything go right?
3: Honestly, that was one of the most proud moments um, I've had in the last, I can't even remember how many years. Even even more proud than, than some of the signature wins they've had um, just because it's different, um, a lot of the, the casual observer doesn't understand how hard it is to face that that kind of adversity. That kind of you know, when things aren't going your way, when you're on the road, playing a good team and losing, and to be able to just you know double down and fight your way back into not just a victory, but a commanding victory it just it's it's the mark of a of a good team and i i was i I can't even put into words how pleased I was to see the way that they responded to a difficult situation where you know Houston jumped up on them and scored seventeen points in the second quarter and and um i mean this game looked looked in doubt and they just you absolutely responded and it was it was just so so pleasing for me as a fan, as a former alum it was it was awesome.
5: So did you break out the non-alcoholic champagne and start toasting when they went from a three-man to a four-man front?
3: (laughs) Uh, Figuratively speaking, yes, uh, absolutely. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's just funny, you know, we we talk about that a lot. Uh, I talk about that a lot just with friends and and people that I run into, and um, we talk about it on the show. And it's just kind of curious to see the different results. Um, and, And, you know, I just, the proof's in the pudding, if you ask me. We talked about it last week, and yep. I just, yeah, I just think, uh, I think that the results, you know, prove themselves.
0: So now here comes Texas State. It ought to be a big win. You get uh, anything over, you know, four touchdowns in the spread, and you know you're talking major blowout here. Except the last time we were talking major blowout, it turned out to be a tight game, and people were sweating bullets. Why is this going to be different?
3: Um, I don't know that it will be different. I expect it to be different, and yeah, I mean, we were—I was on this show talking about that thirty-five point spread a couple of weeks ago, and then BYU eked out a close, ugly win, and so, and that, you know, and, and maybe the, the silver lining from that is maybe in years past that's a game they lose, and, and we're disappointed, and you know, I talked about those signature wins that BYU's had the last couple of years, which have been great, and then. Um, equally as disappointing, if not more disappointing than those signature wins, you know, in the opposite direction as, as exciting as those wins were. Were the disappointing losses that they've had over the last couple of years that have kind of marred this administ this this this, um, this staff's um, their, their their program, their record right now. Um, Maybe we're over that, and that's what I hope to see. And so a couple weeks ago, maybe that was a loss, and now it was an ugly win, and an ugly win is better than a pretty loss. And so I, I expect us to dominate a lesser opponent and and learn from the mistakes that we had a couple weeks ago and you know, just put the game away early and let the, let the reserves come in and get some playing time.
5: So from a defensive perspective, which obviously is where you come from, is it number one in terms of most level of importance when a quarterback's got it going on and Toon did? I mean, he I think he was uh, he threw three incompletions in the first half, and two of them was when he was clocking the uh, stopping the clock there with you know taking the the hike and just jamming it into the turf so they can stop the clock. I think at the end of the first half. So my thought for you is, you basically you have to get pressure on him, right? Or else he's just going to pick you apart. Yeah, I mean, so basically he's a
3: good quarterback and he showed that he's accurate. He's capable. He rose to the challenge and we made it even easier for him. And, you know, he, yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. Like the kid was just completing every pass. And, um, you know, I saw a tweet that said something about only BYU could make both quarterbacks look like Heisman candidates. It was kind of made me chuckle. Um, cause it was kind of accurate. Uh, you know, we, we our kid looked good, and uh, we made their kid – their kid's good. Uh, he's a good quarterback, and we made him look even better than he is, I think, in the first half. Um, and, and it's disappointing, and, and it comes down to what you said. Any decent quarterback these days – I mean, it's different than it used to be. These days, these kids, they get coached up. These quarterbacks, they get coached up from the time they're eight years old. And by the time they get to college, I mean, it's just – the the preparation that these quarterbacks have coming into college is – Light years ahead of what it was 10, even just 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. These kids, they have seen it all. They, they've been in spread offenses. They've been throwing the rock all around. It's not back in the day where in high school and middle league, all they did was run the ball and ran the triple option. I mean, these kids are flinging it, and they've seen it. And what I'm going to say is these kids, they're good. And any good quarterback, if you give him time, he's going to find somebody that's open. You can't cover forever. Coverage is hard. It's one of the hardest things in football. And you, you can only do it for a few seconds. You can't do it for five or six seconds. And so any decent quarterback, if you give him time, he's going to find somebody open, and he's going to light you up. And that's just that's what we saw. Daddy, I'm home.
0: Well, that's good news. <laughs> good for the update there. All right, yeah. so I'm curious what you want to see in the next two weeks, because BYU's a heavy favorite. They're going to be a heavy favorite again, and obviously the Boise State game is a huge game for BYU. So what do you want to see out of these next two games to let you know the Cougars are ready for the Broncos?
3: Yeah, so what I want to see is just clean up the, the few the few errors that we've had and just you know put together – what you'd like to see is, is put together just a complete game, and so even in those early games, where we, we just dominated. Um, there were some errors, you know. There was poor tackling here, or uh, you know, some drop balls there, or you know, and there's just different different mistakes back and forth that we've made. Um, a turnover here, you know, a lazy fumble, just, just some of those some of those preventable mistakes. Um, I'd like to see us play a really clean game and get ready so that we can um, can face those guys and be prepared. Because yeah, it's going to come down to you know the the things that we want to accomplish this year. Uh, obviously, every year you want to go to undefeated. I mean, this is a year that if you're going to go undefeated, this is the year to do it. And undefeated gets you a, a place at the table, a chance to to crack into the New York near six, which we haven't done now in a decade of its existence or however long it's been. We haven't done it, so this is our chance to do it. And and so, and in order to do it, we got to beat Boise, we got to beat San Diego State. Those are the the really tough games that, um, that are remaining on our schedule. And so in order to do that, we have to execute and, and you know, play clean foot up into that.
5: So we'll never know, but this is sports radio, so it doesn't matter. And you look at the four games that they would have started with, Utah, ASU, Michigan State, and Minnesota. And so we're guessing as far as what they might have been. But what is your thought?
3: Uh, you, you, the first part of your question cut out. So, is, sorry. Is the question what is my thought on how their season would have gone?
5: The first four games, where they have the two Pac-12s and the two Big Tens.
3: Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's and it's all speculation. There's there's literally no way to know, um, and that's the thing. You know, this team, I, I think it's a good team. I really, I really still don't know how good they are. Um, and, and, and if they had played that original schedule, you know, are they, are they a seven-win team again, or are they a 10-11-win team again? And I honestly don't know. Um, on any, on the last several years, you know, we've had, we've started, we always start off, it seems, go with a really tough first four games. And, you know, that schedule is no different. And kind of the, the hope or the mindset going into it is that, you know, if we can split those and go two and two, um, then we set ourselves up nicely for the kind of the softer part of our schedule, if you will. And so, you know, looking at that original schedule for 2020, and, and then looking at the way the team is, which it's a good team, you know, um, I, I think three and one would have been, I think it would have been realistic, and I think it would have been something that is achievable, and it would have been really good for us to set ourselves up for the rest of the schedule.
0: So I'm curious here with the uh, with the schedule getting softer now. Uh, what do you think the odds are that they get a big lead and get to play uh, get to play some of the younger guys, some of the backups? And how important do you think it is at the quarterback spot in case Wilson goes to the NFL this year that they get some time for Romney?
3: Yeah. So uh, the, the nice thing is Romney got a bunch of PT last year, mm-hmm. and he's capable. He's shown that he's capable, and the moment's not too big for him. And and I mean, it's there. There were people there were lots of people that were calling for him to be the starter this year. You know, some people within my own family, I won't name names, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of people that, and it's just recency bias. Um, you know, Zach had some struggles last year. He obviously wasn't healthy um, with it coming off, coming off the shoulder surgery. And, and anyway, so it, it's great that we have that experience. That being said, yeah, you want as many reps as you can going forward. And so, um, a, great, a great objective or goal, if you will, for the team is to put these, these next couple of games away early and get experience for the younger guys. There's no situation where that doesn't help you. They're like, they're, they're like literally, there's, there's no scenario where that doesn't help the program. It doesn't help development of those kids. You want live bullets and you want as many of them as you can before those kids are the main guys. And that's what helps your program have upward mobility. That's what helps you stay consistent from year to year and and continue to win and, 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 and perform and execute. And so, yeah, that should absolutely be the goal, is to get as many people, as many reps as possible.
5: So 5-0, and oh, all sorts of national love. Zach Wilson is getting it in abundance. The team is getting it. And largely, you know, the schedule hasn't been a killer schedule, certainly compared to what it could be or what it has been since they've gone independent. So I'm giving you the keys to make a schedule. What is your model schedule for BYU?
3: Yeah, so I've seen some debate on Twitter with people saying we should schedule like this every year. And I mean I, I, un, I appreciate that argument and there's something to be said of that in terms of you win games you're relevant you have a place a chance to crack into the New York Six I if that's not who I am I'm I'm not I'm not the guy that wants to schedule eat week and get easy wins like I I want it I want it all like I want all the smoke I want the toughest schedule the, the biggest brands That's just who I am. And I just, I don't know. Not everybody's wired that way. I understand it. And I know that that's, that's tough. It's uphill battle with our recruiting, with our personnel and with the, our program as it is, but that's just what I want. And I want to put in the work so that we can perform against the the upper echelon of college football. And, And if we perform against them, then our recruiting is going to go up. And if our recruiting goes up, our talent's going to get better. And it's just, yeah, I just, I don't know. I I, my, I guess to answer your question, no, I do not want to see a schedule like this every year. I like the way that Homo has scheduled tough competition, and that's how I want it, and I would have it no other way. And if I was a player, I would absolutely love it. Like I said, I, I want all the smoke.
0: And that is going to be a drop, by the way, guaranteed. What's that? That's going to be a drop. I want all the smoke.
3: Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you quote it. It. I want
0: it all, I'll bring it. <laughs> there it is, Yak. Cut it up. You have his permission. You're ready to go. Do you think that they should, uh, and, and I'm with you on don't schedule like this in the future, but do you think that Tom should schedule it in the future so there aren't four really hard games piled up in September?
3: Yeah. I mean, well, and, yes, yes. And that's the thing. Um you know, Jerem Jordan tweeted out something. I think he said that BYU has been 40 percent or something like that against P5 opponents, and then and then he said they're 29 percent when when they play them two back to back, the second week of a back to back. Um, and and that, you know, statistics are statistics. Those numbers, you know, that's how they've experienced previous. Previous performance is no indicator of future performance. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at it. And, 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 and that's with the, the talent that we've had. And, you know, we do well this year and we up our talent going forward. And, I mean, there's just so many angles. In it. And a lot of it depends on, like, the, the decision makers. and This is the coaching staff. This is the, the, um, the athletic department. And then, obviously, the board for the, the school. What is the objective for the program? And if if, if and, and what your objective is can vary, and and that kind of determines what you're trying to do. If you're just trying to win football games and you know get your name out there, then yeah, schedule easy opponents and whatever, and just try to to, to craft nine ten wins every year. That's fine. But I I mean I don't think that's the, the staff and the, the athletic department's objective. I think they want to win. I think they want to be win at the highest level and and have similar success that they did in the heyday and the glory days. And I mean, that's, it's a hard, that's a hard accomplishment, but it's not impossible. It's something we can do. It's, you know, it's uphill battle and there's a lot of obstacles in our way, but it's attainable. And I'm the type of person that I'm I'm never going to shoot for mediocre. Like I want to be the best. I want to beat the best. So yeah, in my opinion, the the program, you know, needs to do that. And, 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 Ultimately, we'd like to get into a P5, and then we're playing the toughest week in and week out. We're not there right now, but that's where I'd like to get. Well,
0: Brian, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week.
3: Hey, Always a pleasure, guys. You guys have a good one.
0: There's a former Cougar linebacker, former NFL linebacker, Brian Keel. When we come back, Boise State's beat writer, B.J. Reigns. The Broncos are opening up with Utah State, and then after they play Air Force, they're going to host BYU. And he's got the numbers on how awful the local teams have been against Boise State. He's also got the numbers on how often the Broncos lose at home, and it's not very often. That's next. Stay with us.
4: Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: 975 and 1280 the zone. We are joined now once again by BJ Reigns, Boise State B rider for the Idaho Press Tribune. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability.
2: Good morning. How are you doing? I'm a T-Mobile customer, so I can keep it going there. That's there you awesome. go.
0: Doing good. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good. B.J. Reigns joining us. And you told us to have you back on when the games got closer. So, you know, we took it your word and we called you again. What the heck? No,
2: nope, No problem. Happy to be on with you guys. Happy. Uh, we would have been desperate over the summer or uh, in August to be talking about a game on Saturday. So I'll talk about it as much as we want now that it's here.
0: Yeah, so uh, for the people who aren't following the schedule real close, the Broncos are opening with Utah State. they got to play Air Force, and then they get BYU. So two out of the first three are against teams that, uh, you know, the fan bases are listening to this show and want the lowdown. So has Boise State made any progress since the last time we were talking to you? Are there questions you had then that have been answered now, or you're not getting to go to practice and talk to the people much? It's a COVID year, and you got the same questions.
2: Well, I mean, we have names to put at positions in terms of a depth chart, but I think the questions are the same. Are they going to be any good Uh, when it comes to offensive line, defensive line? You know, they have to replace four new starters uh, along the defensive line, uh, four of five starters along the offensive line. And, you know, those are obviously big question marks. A lot of people, you know, the old adage is starts up front, they've got a lot of newcomers on both sides of the ball. So we at least know on the depth chart who those starters are going to be, but what that means in terms of how the group looks I think there's still a lot of question marks going into Saturday's game. But, um, no, you know, we haven't gotten to watch any practice. You know, Boise State's kind of uh, a little bit tighter with the media than a lot of schools anyway, so I think they are, you know, perfectly happy uh, not allowing the media to watch practice at all this this fall because of COVID. And so we really have a lot of unknowns as to what they're going to look like, and and we'll see how close the depth chart actually is. But, uh, no, I I think they – you know The offensive line and defensive lines are the big storylines with this team and looking forward Saturday to see how that group and a lot of young guys step up in their first games.
5: All right, so that offensive line obviously is potentially a huge question mark when you lose that many guys and big-time guys too. But I'm wondering, though, when you look at it and take a deeper dive, I don't know if these guys are going to start, but I assume they are because you've got redshirt seniors in uh, what Stets has got had four starts, Harrington three starts a couple years ago. Then you got some redshirt sophomores, and I, I think if you add them up, of the uh, not the returner. How do you say his name? Ojewuku. who has got like uh, John
2: Ojuku, Yeah,
5: yeah. He's got eighteen starts, so he's really you know he's a mainstay. But the other guys, I think if you add up those other guys, I think they combine for something like ten starts. So it's not like they're starting entirely brand new, right?
2: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they filled in a couple games last year, but a lot of those guys were filling in at different positions than they're at now. And um, they do have a Rice transfer. They got a grad transfer from Rice who's like 6'8", 3'10", or something. He's slated, I think, at right tackle to step in as the starter. So um, they feel pretty good about the tackle positions. Um, uh, it's just going to be interesting because, yeah, I mean, not only did they lose four starters, but they lost two that went to the NFL, a third-round draft pick. Uh, that's uh, just made his first start as a rookie at left tackle Ezra Cleveland for the Minnesota Vikings last sunday, and then uh the left guard John mulchon is in uh practice squad with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so they lost two guys on the left side of their line that were are now in n f l uh you know teams so you know it's there's you know not, and the other two starters were were multi year starters as well so you're not just losing four. Starters, you're losing four multi-year, you know, quality all Mountain West caliber players. So, um, but you know, this happened three years ago. They lost four, and then look at what those four, the four that took over, ended up being. So, Boise State recruits pretty well. They're trusting the recruiting. They're trusting that these, you know, redshirt sophomores and guys that are younger are ready for their time and, and that they're going to be the next wave in a couple of years that we're talking about being hard to replace. So, um, you know, they, they they feel pretty good about the group. It's just a, a group that doesn't have a ton of experience. And even the one returner, John Ojuku, is switching from right tackle to left tackle. So they don't have anybody in the same spot as, as last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, they feel pretty good about it, but again, you know, they, that's, fine to say on a zoom call with some reporters but let's see what it looks like on saturday so i think that um they've got a little bit of experience but certainly not what they had last year and I, I think we'll find out about their recruiting and their development and stuff like that pretty early in this one so in the
0: three or four games that they win big a year ago where they're winning by three four five touchdowns do these guys get to play or are these guys come in literally with like six snaps under their belt
2: no they played some i don't know the exact snap counts, but a lot of you like a Jake Stets played in all 14 games last year, and um, a lot of these guys that they put on like the field goal team and the punt team and some of that stuff. So um, these guys get some snaps, and they they did, you know, the, the Utah State game last year. They probably got some playing time actually, because I think that was what 56-21 or something. Um, so I would assume in the, some of those games, yeah, they they got they got some action, and so they they certainly they're you know like the previous question. It's not like they've never gone out on the field before, but. Uh, you certainly miss something when you're talking about a guy that started two or three games as a guy that started, you know, 40. So, I mean, it's uh, it'll be interesting. I think that's a huge question mark because they have a thousand yard rusher returning and they have a quarterback uh, returning that got injured twice last year from taking big hits. So they've got to find a way to keep him healthy this year. And that's a big storyline. And you've got to have a strong offensive line to, to be able to do that.
5: So Bachmeyer went seven and one as a starter as a freshman, and that's pretty doggone good, even with the injuries. Uh, Sears decides to transfer from SC. He played a game a couple years ago. I think he played one game for SC. Looked pretty decent in that game. Uh, is he pushing them at all, or is Bachmeyer the guy all the way? Bachmeyer is the starter, but it sounds like
2: they want to get Jack Sears involved in the game plan. So they they've uh, routinely kind of mixed in a second quarterback, even with Brett Ripon. They were mixing in. Uh, another quarterback for a series here and there for some kind of uh, run read option stuff. So they, for whatever reason they like the last couple of years playing multiple quarterbacks, they think it's harder for the uh, other team to prepare for and in and, in, in practice and things like that. So it sounds like Jack Sears will be in the game plan. Um, the difference is that he's, you know, similar to Hank Bachmeyer. He's a pocket passer. He's not some guy that's going to come in and run all over you. So, um, usually they like that secondary option to be a guy that can run a little more and, and make it a little more challenging. But um, they, they, you know, you're, if you're a grad transfer and you have two years of eligibility, you're, you know, and you're visiting places like NC State and some other high-quality places, you're not coming to Boise State to, to ride the pine. So it was a little surprising when uh, he committed to Boise State because they had Hank Bachmeyer here. But uh, he's clearly the number two, but uh, he's going to get some action. He's taken first some first-team reps in practice, and I think at some point, given what we saw with with uh, the injury history last year and a small sample size, I don't think it's crazy to expect Jay, you know Jack Sears to have to start a game at some point this year. So they feel really good about him. Um, you know, he started a Pac-12 game, a scholarship player. He was the number four ranked pro style quarterback in the country in like the 2017 class or whatever it was. So they feel really good about him. He's got some talent, but they also think they have a special quarterback in Bachmeyer. And so I think Bachmeyer starts, but. I would expect a player two here and there. You'll see Sears wrinkled in there on Saturday.
0: So you say Boise State just sent all these guys to the NFL. Is there another group of NFL prospects that uh, people are eyeing and thinking, okay, this guy's the next big thing, and, and so is this guy?
2: Yeah, they got a couple on offense in particular the tight end, John Bates. He's 6'7, 250. Um, you know, he kind of has fallen victim to a lot of the. Recent wide receivers they've had, you know, last year they had a fifth-round draft pick at wide receiver too, and John Hightower, uh, who had a huge game, I believe, against Utah State last year. Um, you know, so you know he just, you know, you look at the numbers and you say, okay, 22 catches last year for like 270 yards, and you know it's, they don't jump off the page. But he's six seven two fifty. He's very athletic. Um, he can do a lot of things, and, and they really think there's a chance that he could be not only drafted but be drafted fairly high. Uh, if he were to have a strong senior year this year. So I think John Bates at tight end, number 85, um, you know, like I said, he doesn't wow you in terms of, like, crazy production, but he's a solid player. He's a good, And he'll, you know, they want to get him more involved in the passing game this year. And then at wide receiver, number two, Khalil Shakir, uh, he was a four-star player, chose Boise State over, like, UCLA and some other Pac-12 schools and uh, came in as a true freshman two years ago and played some. Uh, and then last year really kind of took a, he emerged as a solid player. And they think now with Hightower gone, you know, Shakir here is a true junior. Uh, Is going to, you know, clearly be the kind of weapon on offense. Uh, He can run the ball and he can do some things in in terms of uh, wildcat formation. And then he's a dynamic wide receiver as well. So I think on offense, number two, Khalil Shakir is the guy that if he has a strong season, he also could, uh, you know, he could contemplate an early entry to the NFL draft after this season. So I think those two guys, and then you mentioned John Ojuku, the left tackle. You know, the last seven Boise State, he had six or seven, I forget now. I think Ezra Cleveland was a seventh. A left tackles at Boise State that have started for multiple years got drafted into the NFL and uh, he's a junior so if he were to start two years um, you know he could become the eighth straight left tackle at Boise State to go into the NFL and I think they feel pretty good about that as well
5: Defensively you talked about how they're going to be uh, inexperienced up front losing all those guys but the back end with the five guys they've got listed it seems like they've got a lot of experience there
2: yeah, and a lot of experience at linebacker too. They added an NC State transfer, Brock Miller, who started I think 11 games at NC State last year, um, and he's not even listed as a starter on the depth chart. That's how strong they are at linebacker right now. So they got four or five guys they're going to rotate in there. They feel really good that linebacking core has a chance to be probably the strength of the team. And in the secondary, they did lose, you know, two safeties to Pac-12 schools as grad transfers. DeAndre Pierce went to play for his dad, who's a coach at Arizona State for his last year. And then Jordan Apple kind of surprised people like two days before training camp started and announced uh, transfer back home to where he's from near the Portland area to Oregon. So they lost, you know, a pair of safeties to Pac-12 schools and lost a returning starter in, in Kekoa Nawahine, who, uh, you know, was the leading tackler the last couple of years when he added it all up. And so they, they lost some... Pretty good depth at safety, but they feel the two guys they have, J.L. Skinner, a true sophomore, he's like six four. They really love his physicality, and Tyreek Jones is a is a six two athletic kid as well. They feel like they have some size in the back end, some talent there, and you mix that in with two, you know, returning uh, starting corners, two All Mountain West corners. Um, you know, Jalen Walker was second team All Mountain West last year. Avery Williams, uh, you know, a preseason Mountain West player, you know, multiple years, and is also the special teams player of the year in the Mountain West. You know He's very athletic, was the only player in the in the country that had you know multiple touchdown returns and multiple you know, blocked kicks. Uh, he blocked two kicks and also had two punt returns for touchdowns. So he's a dynamic player, and he's a guy they count on a corner as well. So they feel pretty good about the back seven. It's just getting that front four to step up, I think, is going to be the question in terms of how dominant this defense can be.
0: How much do Boise State fans enjoy uh, dominating the teams from Utah?
2: What is the overall number now? I know it's crazy. I know they add it up every year. It's because it's, uh, it, it, I think even against Utah, they're like two and zero or something. I forget the exact number, and I apologize. But uh, they're, they're I, four. I, it,
0: they're four and zero against Utah.
2: Okay, and so what's yeah. the combined number with the
0: three? Uh, it's four and zero against Utah, and it is seven and three against BYU. I think. And, okay. and Utah think, State's like, got 16, one 16 win of the last
2: seventeen or something. Yeah, like sixteen of the last seventeen against Utah State or something. Yeah. I think I looked that up. They were sixteen and one or something in the last seventeen against Utah State. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't, I don't think there's anything to it. Or I don't, you know I don't you know you know Boise State doesn't really recruit Utah that much. They have a couple guys um, you know that, that are from the area, and, and, and but really that's not a huge recruiting hotbed for them. So I don't know what it is. It's not like guys are trying to go stick it to their. Other schools, um, they have lost players to some of those schools. Actually, you know, the, with Zach Wilson was a Boise State commit before he went to BYU. So um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, the BYU one. There's a ton of BYU fans in Boise. Um, there's this the, the Mormon population is very large in the Boise area, and so I know that's always a huge game in terms of the you know rivalry with fans and things like that in here. But I, I think it's just kind of a weird thing where all three of those schools, Boise State's, happen to have success with for the most part. I don't think it's a and any, you know, thing that goes between that combines the three, it's just kind of a, a weird thing. But they have had a lot of success, and that is a big deal they talk about up here.
5: Yeah, interestingly, one of the Utah guys is uh, Kyle Whittingham's sister's son, so his nephew, Jackson Cravens, who is listed mm-hmm. uh, as a backup uh, up front. He's a defensive lineman. so yeah, They're expecting big uh, assume... things
2: from him, actually, yeah. He, he transferred in from Utah and redshirted last year, and he's not listed as a starter, but he is a guy they expect to be heavily involved in the rotation. I've heard good things about Jackson's.
5: What's the deal as far as fans being allowed in the stadium?
2: No fans, no band, no cheerleaders. They're not even letting Buster Bronco, the mascot, in there. Uh, It's uh, nobody. I mean, I I think it's like the first time in 40 years or something they're not even going to let the mascot in there. And he's wearing a mask. He has a... Has a mask on. I don't know why you can't at least come in there. But I guess if there's no fans, there's no reason for the mascot to be there. But yeah, they're they're not even letting players, parents come in and watch the games. It's kind of been a big deal up here. It's uh, people are not happy. They started a petition. The players' parents did to try to at least get the players' parents, the coaches, you know, wives can't even come in and watch the game. Um, it, it's literally going to be empty, and so they're going to have pumped crowd noise in there. Um, you know, during game play, the limit is 70 decibels. So they, they count that as from when the center touches the ball to when the play is over the mountain West says you cannot go higher than 70 decibels but between between that you know and between they're in the huddle and things like that you can jack it up as loud as you want so Boise State's been messing with some different (laughs) levels and some different sound and music and things like that and crowd noises and cheers and stuff so I'll be very curious they're going to they're claiming they're going to try to do the best they can they've got some cardboard cutouts that people bought you know and things like that in the stands but it you know they're going to try to make a empty stadium have an atmosphere of where there's usually 36,000 people. And I don't know how that's going to go, but I mean, I'll tell you this. I was researching for a story guys uh, this week, uh, you know, Boise state, the opponents have false started more inside Albertson stadium during the 2018 and 2019 season than any opposing team in the country. I mean, they opponents average more than uh, 3000 or three, excuse me, 3.43, uh, 3.43 false starts per game inside Albertson Stadium, and that's the highest number in the country. So uh, you're talking about literally a home field advantage that causes more false starts than anywhere else in the country, and you're not going to have that crowd behind you. So I think if there was ever a year for Utah State and BYU and these teams to come into the blue and feel better about themselves, it's definitely this year where there's not going to be any fans because that is a huge difference that's not going to help Boise State.
0: Hasn't Boise State lost like six home games in 15 or 17 years or some crazy number like that?
2: Yeah, they're 120 and nine going back to 2000, I believe. That's a lot of winning. Pretty crazy, yeah, yeah. And and even like last year, I looked at the stats. Like Boise State gave up 13 touchdowns at home and 26 on the road. Like the stats are just so crazy. I mean, it's like a 15 points a game at home as opposed to like 28 on the road last year. Um, I mean, like I said, in the full starts, you know, nobody gets penalized more for full starts. It's it, it is a legitimate. You know, Rocky Long tried to downplay it and became an enemy here in town by saying there's no mystique to playing on the blue turf and all that stuff. I mean, it is a, it is a legitimate home field advantage with the way the stadium's built and, and the majority of the seats are in the upper deck. So they're and they're kind of on top of you coming down onto the field. So the way the noise is there, it just gets really, really loud in there and and. Um, it is a legitimate, you know, I've been to a lot of stadiums and it's legitimate home field advantage. And, and um, that's a big storyline that they're not going to have. They, they play much better at home. They have a big advantage and it's, it's largely negated. So, I mean, yeah, it's no one, you know, nine losses in the last 20 years or whatever at home, they were undefeated at home last year. Um, They just don't lose very often at home. And when they do, it's by, you know, a point or two, they don't. And so, I think that's a big deal, and I think for Utah State and BYU, they they got lucky, so to speak, that the, the calendar turned for them to play the games here in Boise this year, where there's not going to be any fans.
0: Well, Rocky has two of those nine, so I guess he's the one who gets to say that. And it's such it's such a Rocky. We were interviewing him when he was in New Mexico. It's such a Rocky thing to say.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, Mountain West Media Days, and you know how us writers try to get any clickbait stuff we can get. So we, I think, I think after he said that one year, we asked him about it like four years in a row to try to drum it back up and. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, he's, he's not, uh, you know, won't be winning the governor's race or anything here in Boise anytime soon.
0: BJ Raines, he's a beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune covering Boise State. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it.
2: No problem, guys. Should be fun on Saturday. Take care.
0: There's BJ Rains. He's the beat writer covering Boise State for the Idaho Press Tribune. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, including a mega showdown in the NFC East. The Eagles and the Giants. Stay with us, DJ and PK.